All right, welcome in the Super Fantasy Podcast. My name is Seth, week seven in the books. Before we get started, just a reminder of what the Super Fantasy Podcast is. It is a podcast for those in the Super Fantasy Football League on Yahoo. If you are not one of those managers, feel free to send us in your week eight matchups at superfantasypodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we'll go ahead and do go over your matchup on the show next week. Just a heads up, I am once again on my own. Clinton, again, can't make it. We're starting to miss him around here. But regardless, it should still be a good show. I've got a few things I was going to talk about that maybe we'll save for next week, uh, but we'll just see how it goes. Just a quick preview of what is expected on today's podcast. Obviously, we've got the waiver wire pickups, the week seven recaps, the week eight previews. I'm also going to double into the top five players at each position. And then at the end, I was going to go over some rule change proposals that might be affecting the league next year. Some of them are important to start considering and so we'll kind of see how that goes obviously i can't have a conversation about it because clinton's not here so i'll probably just mention them and then we'll talk about them more next podcast starting off we'll look at some weekly waiver wire pickups i'm not going to read all of them i've started to think that that's not the best way to do it so instead i've got some notable ones that i think were pretty important to start off we got vance mcdonald getting picked up i think this is a pretty good pickup for show me your tds Vance McDonald has a matchup against the Dolphins going into Monday night, so it should be a little boost to his tight end position. Next, we have Ty Johnson being picked up. I had to pick him up because Carrion Johnson is out for the season on IR. The earliest he could return is week 16. I, did, I just don't see that happening. I had put in a lot of claims for a lot of different running backs, hoping to get at least one of them, and I ended up getting Ty Johnson, so I dropped the rest that I had picked up. Another one that looks pretty good right now is Ryan Tannehill. The Titans' offense overall is trending upward with Ryan Tannehill at quarterback, so we'll see how that goes. Kenny Stills, probably the number one waiver wire pickup at the wide receiver position. Again, picked up by Show Me Your TDs. With the injury to Will Fuller and having a... And now with a quarterback who is capable of throwing deep down the field, I think Kenny Stills is about to see a big jump in fantasy point value and then the last one which i just thought was interesting was justin tucker being dropped because he's on his bye one of the best kickers in the league i don't think too much of it but maybe there's some people in the league who do so i mean he's available for the waiver runs on saturday if you're interested and that really covers all the big waiver wire pickups the rest of them are pretty much just people filling in for players who are currently on their bye, and we'll get into if they made it into the lineup or not for those uh, respective teams. But as for right now, week seven is in the books, and that means the season is halfway done, guys. It's time to start figuring out who's a contender and who's a pretender. So we go through the top six in the league currently. Retaking the number one spot is Show Me Your TDs. He's followed by Sup Rydalch at number two. Coming in at number three is Tragic Fitzmagic. I fall down to number four this week. All four of those guys are five and two. And then the five and six spots are rounded out by More Than a Thielen and Henry's team, both at four and three. If you're on the outside looking in, there's three, three, and four teams. You're only one game back. This week is extra important especially because there's some really interesting matchups and really important matchups pertaining to the playoff race. Now that we're halfway through the season, we have kind of a good picture of what players have been 
overperforming and which players have been underperforming. So I thought it would be interesting to look at the top five players at each position, mainly QB, wide receiver, running back, and tight end. There's obviously one that I want to bring up on defense, and we'll start off there. And That's the New England Patriots. They have been insane for defensive fantasy points. On the season, they have 152 fantasy points. The next closest is San Francisco at 85. Then rounding out the top five is Carolina, Minnesota, and New Orleans. So obviously we can kind of see that New England has been sort of an outlier in regards to defensive fantasy points. And it was a great draft pick by Seth Rydalch. It's helping him win a lot of games right now. And their matchups in the playoffs outside of their Week 14 matchup is pretty good going up against Cincinnati in Week 15 and Buffalo Week 16. So if Seth Rydalch makes the playoffs, you know, it could be, end up being a league winner uh, at the defensive position. Now we'll take a look at the top five quarterbacks on the year. Coming in at number one is Lamar Jackson. For fantasy purposes, he has been balling out. He's put up 207.6 fantasy points, which is 27 points higher than the second place quarterback. So this uh, just goes to show that you know late round QBs can really pay off because I think Lamar Jackson was taken in the ninth round of the draft by Show Me Your TDs. So really working out well for him. And he has the number two fantasy quarterback on his bench who will be starting this week because Jackson's on his bye in Deshaun Watson, who comes in at 180.68 fantasy points. And he was drafted in the fourth round of the draft. At number three, this will make all the Seahawks fans happy. Russell Wilson at 178.6 points, starting for Henry's team. And he was taken in the fifth round of the draft with the eighth pick. Number four on the season is Dak Prescott with 170.22 points. And then rounding out number five is Patrick Mahomes, who was taken in the first round, number one overall, uh, by the winner last year, who is no longer in the league. But he comes in at 157.4 points. Just a few interesting things about the top five QBs. The ones that run um, get a kind of a boost because of the point per first down rule. And then also, just show, just show me your TDs having the number one and two quarterbacks. If this was a two-quarterback league, he would be dominating, I think, every week. So let's just be glad that it's not. Moving on to the top five running backs. Number one, this one's a little swayed because Dalvin Cook has played one extra game over everybody else. But Dalvin Cook comes in at 209.6 points. He's having a great season on Seth Rydell's team. Combined with that New England's defense, he's been tough to beat. Number two, Christian McCaffrey, who's having an MVP caliber season. Probably won't win it because it's quarterback biased, but he has 179.3 points. His goal in in the beginning of the season was 1,000 rushing yards and 1,000 receiving yards, and it seemed a little outlandish, but it's kind of looking realistic now. Number three, Ezekiel Elliott, 148.8 points. And then number four, this one's kind of surprising, Austin Eckler with 145.6 points. And then number five, Leonard Fournette comes in at 142.8 points. The two big ones for me on this list are Austin Eckler and Leonard Fournette. Austin Eckler was taken in the fifth round of the draft by Show Me Your TDs. So to be a top five running back halfway through the season as a fifth round pick is just great value. And then Leonard Fournette for Tragic Fitzmagic. He was taken with the last pick of the third round, and he had hurt me in the past, so he was actually on my no draft list. But coming in at number five, that's great value there as well. 
I mean, he gets so much volume that it's kind of hard to not put up good fantasy numbers, but I was not expecting top five performance by Leonard Fournette at this point of the season. A few noticeable names missing from the top, you know, five area. David Johnson comes in at number 11, and then Alvin Kamara, who I took with the number three pick in the draft, comes in at number 12. Both of them have missed at least one game due to injury, and then there was Saquon Barkley, who missed an extended period of time with his injury. Top five at wide receivers. Number one, Chris Godwin with 134.2 points. Currently on Josh's team, Chad's a tool. He was taken in the fourth round of the draft, so great value there. Number two, Michael Thomas, second round wide receiver, has 129.3 points on the season. And then Amari Cooper follows him with 116.1 points for Spanking You Since 94. This one's also a little skewed because Stefan Diggs just played yesterday. He comes in at number four with 114.4 points for Henry's team. And then a big surprise at number five, DJ Chark, 109.1 points for More Than a Thielen. More Than a Thielen has two of the top five wide receivers on his team this year. And Chark wasn't even drafted. He was picked up off of waivers after week one. So that is fantastic value for More Than a Thielen and a great waiver wire pickup. You know, they always say the the league is not won at the draft. It's won you know, during waiver wires and during trades. So just keep that in mind for next season. There are quite a few wide receivers who were taken in the early rounds of the draft that aren't mentioned. Tyree Kill obviously dealt with an injury. Juju Smith-Schuster with a quarterback change. Odell Beckham has been a disappointment this season. And then Julio Jones is just outside the top five, so we'll kind of give him a pass. But then there was, out of the 12 picks in the first round of the draft, two of them are wide receivers. None of them are top five on the season so far. And those would be Devontae Adams and DeAndre Hopkins. Adams will kind of give a pass because he's been dealing with turf toe. But DeAndre Hopkins, if I was show me your TDs, I'd be a little disappointed there. And now finally, we'll go ahead and look at tight end position. Number one, kind of a surprise, is Austin Hooper for the Tragic Fitch Magic. He's put up 100.6 fantasy points on the year, and he was taken in the 10th round of the draft, so really good value at the tight end position. Coming in at number two, Travis Kelsey, no surprise, 90.1 points on the season, also for Tragic Fitzmagic, so he owns the top two producers at the tight end position. Number three, Darren Waller. I picked him up in a trade for Tyler Lockett early on in the season. I couldn't be happier. Getting that type of production out of your tight end is something you kind of always want. And the number four, Mark Andrews, putting up 79.9 points. And then rounding out the top five is Evan Ingram, even after a couple duds, 67.4 points. Tight end position is always a little iffy because they're always inconsistent. Uh, but if you can find a good one, it really helps out in winning games and can kind of take the pressure off of your wide receivers and running backs a lot of the time. That covers it for the top five at each position. If there's a player in those top five or even the top ten that you think is surprising or happy with, go ahead and let me know in the league chat. We'll go ahead and dive into the week seven recaps now, starting off with my matchup. I went up against Ched the Tool this week. I ended up losing this one 104.26 to 80.76. This is the lowest my team has scored by about 30 points since week one, and it is all because... I kind of had some really bad luck at the running back position. Alvin Kamara didn't play, and unfortunately... Carry on, my Carry on Johnson goes out with an injury. He's headed to IR. If 
Alvin Kamara doesn't play this week, which luckily it's trending upward. I'm in a lot of trouble because anytime you go into a matchup without your number one and number two running back, you're going to have a bad time, and that's exactly what I had this week. Carrion Johnson managed to get me only 2.3 points, and Joe Mixon, who I had to start in place of Alvin Kamara, which you never want to do, only mustered up 6.4 points, and he scored a touchdown, and I don't understand how you score a touchdown as a running back and still only put up 6.4 points. He had two rushing yards on the entire game. So I think he is done for the season for me. I was going to drop him, but because of the carry-on injury, I kind of have to keep him as a last resort. But that was incredibly disappointing. But it didn't end there because my wide receivers also disappointed me. Kenny Galladay only putting up 3.1 points because Marvin Jones took all the thunder away from him that game. And then Terry McLaurin played in a slosh fest, pretty much the worst field conditions I've ever seen in my life. I didn't get up and check the weather report or else I would have benched him for somebody else. Uh, but yeah, just a bad bad showing on my side. Kyler Murray was also disappointing, but on the other side of the ball, Matt Ryan for Josh's team you know, did even worse. He had bad wide receiver play as well. The part that saved him was his two running backs, Sony Michelle and Aaron Jones. They both had really good games. But we both left points on the bench in this matchup. And, you know, I hopefully I'll have my at least my top running back going into the next week. I did have one bright spot on my lineup this week. Darren Waller finally finds the end zone. He found it twice against Green Bay. He put up a solid 30.6 points for me. I'm expecting him to be big going forward. And really, I just expect a bounce back week from my team in general. Because this week gets the big... Disappointing performance for me at pretty much every position outside of tight end. Anyway, you can't win them all, and, you know, I follow the number one spot because of it. Moving on to the next matchup, we had the Luis going up against the Canto Kinglers, and Luis comes away with a victory in this one. He took it 117.66 to 114.76. Really on the back of Matt Stafford, putting up the 29.56 points. Some disappointments for Luis, though. He had Luke Wilson put up zero, and Devin Singletary put up a measly 2.6 on his first game back from a hamstring injury. On Kanto Kingler's side of the ball, really outside of Derrick Henry and Dak Prescott, he was looking for more points. Todd Gurley got him 14.4, but two really bad performances by Brandon Cooks and Matt Breida. Matt Breida, again, playing in that slosh fest that was in Washington this week. Two really good performances by both teams defenses baltimore put up 18 points for canto kinglers and the luis put up 21 points he improves to two and five which is really helps his playoff chances going forward we'll see how he bounces back or continues to bounce back rather from that bad start that he had andrew i know you had a good start to the season and you've lost four straight but buddy i really got to play this for you don't worry buddy you're doing fine you're doing fine man i mean obviously if you lose again you're kind of in a hole but you know we'll see in the week eight previews that you've got a really good shot at getting back into a playoff spot this week there were quite a few points left on the benches in this matchup by both teams for andrew Royce Freeman would have won the matchup, but not if the Luis had started Golden Tate or MBS uh, in his flex or one of his wide receiver positions. The next matchup, Sup Rydalch going up against Monton de Basura. This one was led by two very bad quarterback performances. We'll go ahead and give them the big... 
although Patrick Mahomes kind of gets a pass for getting injured halfway through that game. But then Carson Wentz, that was just disappointing performance against Dallas. Really, for all Eagles fans, that was disappointed. Both of these quarterbacks only put up just over eight points. And they're two of the better quarterbacks in the league, so you kind of expect a bit more. Montande Basura is living up to his new league name. He put up a league, uh, league low 68.04 points. Cooper Cup had a bad week. Miles Sanders only put up 3.2 points for you. Running back has kind of been a problem for this team the entire season. And then Zach Ertz and Calvin Ridley, five points each. It was really just a bad, bad performance by Montande Basura. Sup Rideout, on the other hand, he had a couple big performances, and he gets the chicken dinner winner of the week with Dalvin Cook with 34.9 points. I kind of combined Dalvin Cook and New England this week because New England put up 25 points, but still Dalvin Cook would have won chicken dinner winner of the week regardless. He's been on a roll. He could be a league winner come playoff time. And he really, you know, has been pushing Sup Rideout over the edge in a lot of these matchups because his other running backs have not been up to par. Frank Gore puts up 10.6 points. And then David Montgomery, who's been disappointing this season, put up negative 0.1. And that deserves the big, sad performance there. I would give the sad performance to Montande Basura for his whole team, but I, I, I think that's just a little too harsh considering it's his first week in the league. And the first week that he's here, his star quarterback is hurt, and he didn't really you know, inherit the best team to start off with. On the benches, Montande Basura had Marvin Jones, 36.3 points. He's probably worth a flex play going forward, especially because he had been getting a lot of targets per game, and now that Carrion Johnson is hurt, they might kind of lean on the pass a bit more. So I would probably play Marvin Jones over Calvin Ridley, especially because Calvin Ridley is going to be without Matt Ryan for a little bit. Moving on to the next matchup, we had another close one. This one, Tragic Fitz Magic beats more than a Thielen by 1.04 points. This one came down to Le'Veon Bell against the Patriots. He needed 10 points, and for a while there, it looked like New England might hold him to less than that, but he ends up finishing with 10.6, pushing Tragic Fitz Magic to the victory. On more than a Thielen side of the ball, though, he had really good performances by Gardner Minshew, Michael Thomas, and Ezekiel Elliott, but then kind of poor performances throughout. I'm going to give Evan Ingram the big sad performance this week. Finishes with 0.6 points against Arizona, has been, who has been giving up points to the tight end position like no other team in the league. So that was a little crazy. He had a bad case of the drops that game. He had a couple right up the seam that he really should have had that could have gone for, for you know big gains or even a score. But really, the thing I think that hurt more than a Thielen the most was the injury to Adam Thielen himself. And, you know, that's a little disappointing, but he ended up getting him a long touchdown right before. But it looked like he was going to have a really good game against Detroit. And in place of that, Stefan Diggs ended up having, you know, a huge game with the Adam Thielen injury. For Tragic Fitch Magic, though, really modest showings by pretty much everybody on his team outside of Travis Kelsey, which is a little surprising just because of how consistent Travis Kelsey has been, not only this year, but last year as well. And then it is worth mentioning that Melvin Gordon just hasn't looked himself and almost lost Tragic Fitch Magic this game because there was a player on his bench, Latavius Murray, who he could have started, and I personally would have started with the injury to Alvin Kamara. Latavius Murray ended up putting up 32 points, which is just a crazy amount to leave on your bench, and really my have been the only time that you could have gotten that type of production from the Tavius Murray, especially with Alvin Kamara coming back. On the other side of the ball, 
Hunter Henry could have started over Evan Ingram. Hunter Henry has been doing really good since coming back. 15.7 points last week. And is definitely a tight end one going forward. This matchup had my boomer pick with Allen Robinson. I said he'd go for over 100 and a couple touchdowns. Let's go ahead and check to see how that worked out. Yeah, no, I don't think I got that one right. He did finish 7 points above his projection total with 83 yards. Oh, sorry, 87 yards and a touchdown. If Mitch Trubisky was just a little bit better, I think Allen Robinson would be a top five wide receiver in the league. He's he's really good at route running. He's always creating separation no matter who he's going against. Uh, so he's one of my favorite receivers right now. And even with Trubisky, he's still putting up pretty good fantasy numbers, so he should be good going forward. Moving on to the next matchup, Show Me Your TDs against Spanking You Since 94. Show Me Your TDs wins this one 117.92 to 100.26. He improves to 5-2. While well, Spanking You since 94 falls the 2 and 5. Big QB play in this one. Aaron Rodgers puts up 43 points, and Lamar Jackson has another big week at 28.32. Where Spanking You since 94 was really let down was with Larry Fitzgerald and Philip Lindsay, two guys who had some really good matchups and just didn't get the job done well below their point projections. And they go ahead and get a sad performance of the week. On the other side of the ball, Austin Eckler had a good game. He's getting a lot of receiving yards uh, now that Melvin Gordon is back. And if you can count on his receptions, then he, he might be okay. But I have a feeling that Melvin Gordon's going to heat up and Austin Eckler's going to kind of feel the impact from it. Show Me Your TDs continues to struggle at the RB2 position, resorting to Tariq Cohen this week, who put up 3.9 points. And then at tight end, Mark Andrews was kind of a disappointment, putting up 4.9. But he still comes away with the victory. Thanks to big games from Lamar Jackson, Eckler, and DeAndre Hopkins, and some disappointing performances on the other side. Neither of these managers left any points on the bench, so we'll just get moving into the last matchup here. Carry on against Henry's team. We had Jared Goff going against Russell Wilson in this one. Jared Goff, huge bounce back performance against Atlanta, 26.02 points, and Russell Wilson kind of disappoints at 17.34. But Henry's team still comes away with the victory, 89.14 to 82.42, partially because the boomer check of the week with Michael Gallup, this was Josh's boomer. <laughs> Definitely wrong on that one. Only puts up 4.4 points, which I thought was pretty surprising. I was considering Michael Gallup as my boomer of the week, and I just wasn't sure because I thought, you know, I wasn't sure if Amari Cooper was going to play, but I thought Michael Gallup was going to put up more than 4.4 points. And then also Devontae Freeman, I've been... Kind of harping on him all season, but he he did the falcon punch, you might say. Gets ejected out of the game against Los Angeles and only puts up two and a half points. And then for Henry team, he had a big game from Stefan Diggs because of the Adam, D- Adam Thielen injury. But Stefan Diggs has been, he played yesterday and he put up good numbers. So he's, he's definitely bouncing back. He had bad performance by David Johnson. He's going to go ahead and get the... Uh, sad performance there. I don't understand why players say they're healthy and want the play um, and then come out and are there for one snap. It's probably like a distraction thing, but that's a little disappointing. But Jimmy Graham had a good game. A bad game by Marlon Mack. You don't see that very often. I expect him to bounce back going into this next week. Going into the benches, Carrion left a lot of points on the bench with Chase Edmonds going off for 37 points. No one really saw that coming. Although... 
it was kind of worth the risk to start him just in case David Johnson had gone out, but I don't blame you for leaving him on the bench. If David Johnson is out this Sunday, Chase Edmonds is, you know, borderline RB2, RB1. On the other side, we've got another uh, Boomer of the Week check. Yeah, that's three buzzers because Dante Pettis put up zero points on two targets. To be fair to Andrew, this was a slosh fest game. I don't even know how many times the ball was thrown, but it wasn't a lot. But, I mean, he went big with his pick and didn't work out for him. Other than that, Henry's team didn't leave anything on the bench. So that covers it for the Week 7 recaps there. And that means we're going to go ahead and hop into our next segment. Get ready for your next encounter, guys. We're going into Week 8 matchups. We'll go ahead and start off with my matchup. I'm going up against the league leader, Show Me Your TDs. Right now, I'm projected to win this one 121.17 to 105.99. Starting off at the QB position, we have Josh Allen going up against Deshaun Watson. Two guys, I think, are going to put up huge numbers this week. Josh Allen's going up against Philadelphia. Their secondary is just getting shredded every single week. And Deshaun Watson's going up against Oakland, who just gave up over 40 points to Aaron Rodgers. Uh, this one's close, but I am going to go with Deshaun Watson in this one. I just don't see how you can bet against him. But I love Josh Allen in this matchup, and I think they both put up over 25. Wide receiver position, Kenny Galladay and Juju Smith-Schuster start for me, going up against DeAndre Hopkins and Keenan Allen. Again, two really big names. Juju Smith-Schuster goes up against Miami, and Kenny Galladay go up against the Giants. My team this week has favorable matchups across the board. Hopkins goes up against Oakland. Keenan Allen goes up against Chicago. Because Keenan Allen's going up against Chicago, I'm going to give the edge to my team in this one. Chicago doesn't give up a ton through the air. They're more beatable through the run game. Uh, I I expect Hopkins to have a big game, but Kenny Galladay has been ultra consistent this season, except for last week. And then Juju Smith-Schuster up against Miami, he could definitely break a couple touchdowns. Going to the running backs, I'm starting Alvin Kamara as long as he's healthy, and then I got Ty Johnson in my RB2, who is the backup to carry on Johnson, who's now going to be in the starting role, going up against Austin Eckler, and as of now, Tariq Cohen. I'm giving myself the edge in running back position as well, Tariq Cohen. You know, you're going to be lucky if you get that 9.5 point projection. He's going up against the Chargers. And then Austin Eckler, it's going to be kind of iffy, you know, depending on how effective the Chargers offense is this week the Bears limit the passing game and Austin Eckler has to be more involved in the passing game that can consistently consistently put up points with Melvin Gordon in the backfield so it's going to be interesting to see if he reaches this point projection it's pretty low at 12 points so I expect he will it's just going to be a tough battle for Austin Eckler going in the tight end position we've got Darren Waller going up against Vance McDonald Darren Waller I love the guy I expect him to outscore Vance by at least five points, maybe more. Vance McDonald has a good matchup, though. He's going up against Miami. We'll see if Mason Rudolph targets him in the passing game, Uh, but Darren Waller should definitely outscore Vance McDonald in this one. Into the flex play, I've got John Brown, who plays against Philadelphia. I'm stacking him with Josh Allen, and then we've got Debo Samuel for Show Me Your TDs. I definitely have the edge in the flex department as well, especially with John Brown going up against Philadelphia. He should be able to be really effective against their secondary. Chris Boswell goes as my kicker against 
Joey Sly. I'm taking Chris Boswell. He's going against Miami. He should have plenty of opportunities to kick extra points, field goals, whatever he wants. And then for Joey Sly, you're going up against San Francisco, who's got one of the better defenses in the game. There's not going to be many opportunities uh, to kick extra points. There might be more opportunities to kick field goals, though. Uh, we'll see how it plays out, but I'm taking Chris Boswell just because the point factor should be in the favor of Pittsburgh. And then I've got Pittsburgh's defense going up against Miami and Tennessee's defense going up against Tampa Bay for Show Me Your TDs. Again, I'm taking my side of the ball. The Steelers have been a top 10 fantasy defense as far as points go, and that was against some tougher competition. So I expect quite a few points against Miami. They're projected at 9.42, which is pretty high for a defense. On the benches this week, if Christian Kirk is back, show me your TDs, I think you should start him. I think you are waiting to start him, waiting for him to be healthy to start him. Um, I think you're smart enough to put him in once once he's out there. The Cardinals' passing game is much better when Christian Kirk is in there, and I think once he gets back, Kyler Murray and the rest of that offense is going to start doing even better than they are right now. On my side of the ball, I don't think I would necessarily start anybody or else I'd have him in there. The only person I'm considering... Going forward, uh, moving into my lineup is Devontae Parker, a wide receiver for Miami. It's always dangerous, but I think he might be worth it. He's put up good numbers pretty much every week, so we'll see what happens with him. I am going to take me to win this matchup. I'm projected to win by 16, and I expect a bounce-back game from my team after what happened last week. Moving on to the next matchup, Kanto Kingler is going up against Ched Zatul. This is a big matchup, and we'll if we look if we look at the standings, we've got Kanto Kinglers and Chad Zatul, both a game back from the last playoff spot, and the fifth and sixth place managers play each other this week. That's more than a Thielen and Henry's team. So one of those teams is going to lose, and one of these teams is going to win. Whoever wins this matchup moves up into that last playoff spot. So for Kanto Kinglers, we've got Ryan Tannehill filling in at QB. And then Chad Zatul had Kirk Cousins go yesterday, who put up 12.6 points. I'm, I was going to take Tannehill in this matchup anyway, which might have been surprising, but Tampa Bay gives up a ton of passing yards through the air, and you can't run against them, so the team's only option is to pass the ball. And Ryan Tannehill with Corey Davis and A.J. Brown has some weapons that he can get the ball deep to. So Tannehill should put up well over 20 points, I think, in this matchup. Going into wide receivers, Julio Jones and Brandon Cooks go for Canto Kinglers. Both of those guys have been disappointing over the past couple weeks. And then for Chad's Atul, we have Jameson Crowder and Chris Godwin. Godwin makes his triumph in the return after being on bye last week. Chris Godwin has a pretty good matchup against Tennessee. It's not the best matchup, though. And then looking at the matchups for Andrew's team's wide receivers, we've got Julio Jones going up against Seattle and Brandon Cooks going up against Cincinnati. Two teams who have questionable secondaries i'm taking canto kingler's wide receivers in this one and i do want to say josh i do not think you should be starting jameson crowder but we'll get there when we look into your benches running backs we've got derrick henry going up against tampa bay for canto kingler's as well as todd Gurley going up against cincinnati chad zatul's got sonia michelle with a matchup against cleveland and aaron jones going up against kansas city derrick henry's going to have a rough night i think unless he finds the end zone don't expect more than you know 12 points because Tampa Bay's run defense is top five in the league. Gurley, on the other hand, could see a good game against Cincinnati, who you can beat with runs to the outside 24-7. So Todd Gurley's point projection is already 17.59. I think he's going to get around 22. On the other side of the ball, I think Aaron Jones has a big game as well. It's not as big of a game as I thought it would be 
if they were going up against Patrick Mahomes because the way you beat the Chiefs right now if Patrick Mahomes is playing is to run the ball. So that Aaron Jones was going to have a big game. But now that Patrick Mahomes might not play, the Packers might pass the ball a bit more. One, because they have a Hall of Fame quarterback. And two, because they don't need to run the clock as much uh, going up against Matt Moore. This one's tough. I'm going to go with Cheds of Tools running backs in this one. They just... Derrick Henry's matchup is what's throwing me off right now. Going in the tight end position, we've got Greg Olson going against Eric Ebron. Greg Olson's got a tough matchup against San Francisco, better one of the better defenses in the league, and Eric Ebron's going up against Denver. I'm going to go ahead and go with Eric Ebron in this one. Ebron has actually been more consistent than Greg Olson has, and I don't think this is the game that Greg Olson puts up huge numbers like he did a couple times earlier in the season. Going in the flex play, we got... Matt Breida going up against Nick Chubb. Both of these are really solid flex plays. Chubb's got a difficult matchup, though, going against New England. To be fair, he's the best part of the Cleveland's offense right now, and Breida is in a timeshare now that Coleman is back, so I'm going to go with Nick Chubb at the flex position. Going into kickers, we've got Mason Crosby going up against Kansas City and Adam Vinatieri going up against Denver. I think Green Bay is going to score more points than Indianapolis is this week especially a game against Kansas City where they can score you know, a ton of points against that defense. So I'm taking Crosby. And then Indianapolis' defense starts for Canto Kinglers, and Jacksonville goes for Ched's a tool. I was wrong last week in telling Ched to start Buffalo over Jacksonville, uh, but how could you blame me with Buffalo playing Miami? Jacksonville's going up against the Jets, so they should have plenty of opportunities to get some sacks and maybe some interceptions, considering Sam Donald just threw, like, what, four, five of them? something like that turn the ball over five times so Jacksonville I think is the right decision especially because Philadelphia is Buffalo's matchup I'm going to take Jacksonville in this matchup I think Chet's a tool wins at the defensive category diving into the benches Corey Davis for Chet's a tool I think you can put him in over Crowder for sure Corey Davis now that Tannehill is in in at quarterback for Tennessee I think has a lot more upside than you than you might think and then on the other side of the ball, the only person I might consider is Royce Freeman over Breida. Uh, but Freeman doesn't have the best matchup going up against Indianapolis, so that's obviously up to you. And I don't think it's a big enough difference that you really have to worry about it. As far as a pick goes in this matchup, it's pretty close. The projection is supposed to be Josh by about four points. That Kirk Cousins, 12.6 points, though, is kind of swaying my decision. And I do like a few... A few parts of Canto Kingler's team, and I'm going to go ahead and take Canto Kingler's in this one to pull off the upset and take over that last playoff spot. The next matchup we'll go ahead and dive into is going to be more than a Thielen against Henry's team because it fits right in with the matchup I just went over in order to see who falls out of the last playoff spot. And right off the bat, it does not look good for more than a Thielen. He has, he has both of his running backs on bye this week as well as an injury to Adam Thielen. So we've got Henry's team projected to win by 16 points, 114.98 to 98.68. Gardner Minshew starts at quarterback for more than a Thielen, going up against Russell Wilson against Atlanta. Gardner Minshew should have a good game. He's going up against the Jets. But Russell Wilson against Atlanta, expect a big week. I'm thinking around 30 points. So I'm taking Russell Wilson in that matchup. Michael Thomas goes up against Arizona. And DJ Chark goes for more than a Thielen against uh, the Jets. For Henry's team at wide receiver, we've got Stefan Diggs, who already put up 16.3 points on the week, as well as DK Metcalf going up against Atlanta. But 
Metcalf should get subbed out for Odell Beckham, who's on Henry's team's bench at the moment because he, because of his bye last week. Even with that in mind, though, I'm still going with more than a Thielen on the wide receiver side of the ball. Michael Thomas might get Drew Brees back, but even if he doesn't have Drew Brees back, he's going up against Arizona. I know the Cardinals have Patrick Peterson back, but Michael Thomas has been so consistent no matter who he's playing. And then DJ Trark, as we, as we saw in the beginning of the podcast, top five wide receiver on the year, going up against the Jets. Plenty of opportunities for DJ Trark to put up big numbers in this one. And at running backs, we've got Benny Snell going up against Miami. You probably don't know who Benny Snell is. He's a, the third string running back for Pittsburgh. And then we've got Jamal Williams going up against Kansas City. And those are more than a Thielen's running backs. Henry's team's got a little bit better outlook. We've got David Johnson and James White. David Johnson might not play, um, so it makes us a little bit closer. But he's got a solid backup in Jordan Howard that he can fill in. I would actually put Jordan Howard in right now so that you don't forget because David Johnson hasn't practiced a whole lot and they signed a couple of running backs, you know, just in case. But I'm still taking Henry's team's running backs. More than a Thielen looks like he's in for a world of hurt at this position right now. I think Benny Snell would be good if Connor was limited due to an injury and Jalen Samuels was out. But Jalen Samuels has been practicing this week, so Benny Snell might not even play. I would pick up Jalen Samuels if he's available on waivers. I'm not 100% sure if he is, just in case he is back. And that's a much better option than Benny Snell if Jalen Samuels is available. Going into tight ends, we've got Hunter Henry for more than a Thielen and Jimmy Graham for Henry's team. Hunter Henry, I think, is one of the better tight ends now that he's back. But he's got a tough matchup against Chicago, who you beat by running the football. And Jimmy Graham's got a soft matchup going up against Kansas City. If Devontae Adams is still out, which he might be, I would take Jamie Graham in this matchup. Going to the flex play, we've got the double tight end by more than a Thielen. Evan Ingram fills in, going up against Marlon Mack. Marlon Mack, I expect a big bounce back game. He should outscore a tight end every week anyway, and I think last week was kind of an anomaly. More than a Thielen is kind of forced into starting a two tight end set because of the injury to Adam Thielen kickers we've got will lutz going up against arizona jason myers going up against atlanta i think a lot of points are going to come from these kickers over 10 for both of them i'm going to take jason myers just because i have no idea but i'm taking jason myers at the defensive position we've got san francisco going up against carolina and chicago going up against los angeles two very good defenses i'm going to take chicago because los angeles gives up more sacks that being said, I know they're getting one of their offensive linemen back, so it might drop down a bit, but I still expect Chicago to outscore San Francisco. Into the bench plays, obviously Odell Beckham will find the way into the lineup of Henry's team, and then you might be forced into starting Jordan Howard if David Johnson isn't able to go. And then for more than a Thielen, your bench is trash. Luckily, this is the biggest bye week you have with three people on bye, and you hopefully won't have to deal with it anymore. Just pray that none of your guys get injured any more than Adam Thielen was. He should be back after this week, though. It's really difficult not to take Henry's team, and for that reason, I'm going to take Henry's team to win this one. The running back situation on more than a Thielen's team is going to end up costing him a playoff spot right now. We'll see if he can bounce back from it and be in a playoff spot at the end of the season. Moving on to the next matchup, we've got Montan de Basura going up against Luis. At quarterback, Montan de Basura's got Tom Brady, and Luis is starting Matt Stafford. Tom Brady goes up against Cleveland, and Stafford goes up against the Giants. 
So I'm taking Stafford. He had a really good week last week, and they're going to be forced to throw the ball more now that Carrion Johnson isn't available. At the wide receiver position, we've got Cooper Cup going up against Cincinnati and Cameron Sutton going up against Indianapolis for Monson Basura. And Julian Edelman and Tyree Kill go for the Luis. Two very good wide receiver sets here. It's close, but I'm going to go with Brandon's team in this one. Cameron Sutton is the new number one in Denver now that Emmanuel Sanders got traded. And Cooper Cup has a great matchup against Cincinnati. While on the other side of the ball, Tyreek Hill's got a tough matchup going against Green Bay's secondary, especially with Matt Moore being quarterback. And Julian Edelman's going up against Cleveland, who's getting their two top corners back. So definitely like Brandon's wide receivers in this one. At the running back position, Brandon starting Miles Sanders going up against Buffalo and Tevin Coleman going up against Carolina, whereas Luis has got a monster stack with Josh Jacobs going up against Houston and Christian McCaffrey going up against San Francisco. Obviously, the Christian McCaffrey matchup isn't that great, but he's been putting up you know, great numbers all season. I don't see how that changes. And on the other side of the ball, Miles Sanders got a tough matchup against Buffalo, and he hasn't been getting any red zone work. So that's troubling as far as point totals go. And then Tevin Coleman, I think, is the running back one in San Francisco, but it's a pretty even timeshare, so you can't expect a huge game. Obviously, I'm taking the Luis in this one. Josh Jacobs has been a great pick, and I'm still kicking myself for letting you get him in the draft because I picked right before you, and I was definitely considering it. Going into the tight end position, we've got Zach Ertz going up against Jonu Smith. If you don't know who Jonu Smith is, he's apparently the backup tight end for Tennessee. I didn't know who he was, but he backs up Delaney Walker. Luis has been struggling at the tight end position all season, so this is kind of just like a desperation throw. I'm taking Zach Ertz. He's got a tough matchup against Buffalo. But yeah, I didn't even know who Jalen Smith is. Even though he's got a good matchup against Tampa Bay, I think Corey Davis and A.J. Brown see the bulk of the work. We've got two good flex plays in this matchup. Mike Evans goes for Brandon, going up against Golden Tate for Luis. Mike Evans going up against Tennessee, and Golden Tate has a game against Detroit. This one's tough. I'm going to go with Golden Tate because I do not trust Jameis Winston, and ever since Golden Tate has come back, Daniel Jones has had special eyes for him. So he had 11 targets in the game against Arizona, and I expect him to have a good amount of targets in this one. At kickers, we have Greg Zerloin for Brandon and Harrison Butker for Luis. I'm taking Zerloin. Should be able to score plenty against Cincinnati, and Butker's got a difficult matchup against Green Bay. At the defensive position, we've got Minnesota, who put up 12 points for Brandon yesterday, and then Los Angeles going against Cincinnati. It's going to be tough to beat 12 points, but I think Los Angeles has a generous enough matchup to get it done. So I'm going to take the Luis's side of the ball at the defensive position. This projection, Luis is supposed to win by about six points. It's going to be close. I am going to take Luis in this one to send Brandon to one and seven on the season. I think Matt Stafford just has too good of a game. And then the combination of Jacobs and McCaffrey is a tough matchup to win over, especially when on the other side of the ball, your running backs are Miles Sanders and Tevin Coleman. There isn't anybody from either team's bench that I would play. I would just suggest to Brandon, and this might be kind of risky, because your season's kind of already over. But, you know, maybe trade Patrick Mahomes and, and Marvin Jones Jr. for good running back. It's possible. It would have helped to do it earlier on in the season. But, you know, just think about that maybe. But I am going to bring up maybe a potential rule change for a reason that you might not want to do that. So we'll go ahead and see. Because there might be, you know, reasons to hold on to him for future use. Moving on to the next matchup. We've got Tragic Fitzmagic going up against Sup Rydalch, 
If you don't know, Supperidalch's name is in reference to Tragic Fitch Magic. Wilson's last name is Rydalch, and these two guys have history. So going to the matchup, Tragic Fitch Magic is projected to win by 14, 120 to 106. Uh, but that changed a little bit with the big performance from Dalvin Cook, so now it's 120 to 115. At quarterback, we've got Jameis Winston going up against Carson Wentz. I do not trust Winston. He's got a difficult matchup going up against Tennessee. But Carson Wentz has a tough matchup as well. So maybe you want to hit the waiver wire. I know that Tragic Magic has a QB, a QB on his bench already. So, you know, kind of look at that, feel around. But currently as it stands, I would take Carson Wentz. I expect a bounce back game, except if it rains. If it rains, I take back what I said, and I'm going with Jameis Winston. But as of now, I'm taking Carson Wentz because it's in a game that they must win to stay in the race for the division, and I think Carson Wentz is going to come through for him. Going to the wide receivers, we've got T.Y. Hilton and Allen Robinson for Chadges Fitzmagic, going up against Robert Woods and Alshon Jeffrey. I'm not too excited about either of these teams' wide receivers this week. Robert Woods has a good matchup against Cincinnati, but there's two other really good receivers there, and Alshon Jeffrey's going up against Buffalo, and that's going to be really tough. I'm going to take Tragic Switch Magic because I love Allen Robinson. I think he's going to get the job done against Los Angeles, and then T.Y. Hilton has been solid all year. Allen Robinson's going up against the Chargers, who just gave up like over 20 points to Corey Davis, so I think Allen Robinson's will be just fine. At the running backs, we have Leonard Fournette and Melvin Gordon for Tragic Switch Magic, and we've got Dalvin Cook and David Montgomery uh, for Supper Rydalch. Dalvin Cook has been a monster. He put up 31 points last night in the Thursday night game, and he has been carrying Supper Rydalch's running back play. Leonard Fournette has been a top five running back on the season as well, and I think this is the week Melvin Gordon gets going because you have to beat Chicago on the run game, and for that reason I'm taking Tragic Fitch Magic that he just has a, a much better secondary running back then Sup Rydalch. At the tight end position, we've got Travis Kelsey for Wilson and Jerome Atkins for Kyle. Travis Kelsey can't bet against him, and Atkins is filling in for the bye for Jason Witten, and I don't, I'm not sure how that's going to work out. I think he's worth the risk, though, and one of the better tight end waiver wire pickups that you could get. Moving on to the flex play, we've got Le'Veon Bell for Wilson and Philip Dorsett for, for Kyle in this one. Le'Veon Bell going up against Jacksonville should get plenty of opportunities to run the ball. Philip Dorsett going up against Cleveland. I'm not sure exactly with the trade of Mohamed Sanu. I'm not sure if Dorsett's going to be a wide receiver worthy of a flex anymore, but we'll see how that turns out. But I am taking Le'Veon Bell. At the kicker, we've got Mike Nugent going up against Cleveland and Josh Lambeau going against the Jets. I'm going to take Josh Lambeau because I think Cleveland tries to really slow the game down against New England, and it's going to limit... Nugent's opportunities for field goals or extra points. And Josh Lambeau against the Jets should be able to score a bit more. At defense, we've got New Orleans for Tragic Fitzmagic and New England for Sup Rydalch. New England has been insane. I think they're going to get at least four sacks against Baker Mayfield and, a, and an interception. That offensive line is not good there, and they might kind of rattle Baker Mayfield a bit. But New Orleans going up against Arizona, as long as they can contain Kyler Murray, have the potential to put up over 10 fantasy points which they have four times this season. Going into the benches, I don't see anybody I would necessarily start. Devontae Adams, if he's healthy, but I don't think he's going to be. Sammy Watkins could be interesting over Dorsett now that he's healthy. I would start him over Dorsett, actually. And then for Wilson, you have to consider it. I don't know who you would start him over. Maybe Melvin Gordon, but 
if Alvin Kamara is not healthy, Latavius Murray, it, it, you have to consider him going up against Arizona. That's all I'll say about that. My pick in this one is going to be Tragic Fitzmagic. I think he pulls off the win. I think Melvin Gordon gets going, and that trio of Leonard Fournette, Melvin Gordon, and Le'Veon Bell really pays off for him this week. Moving into the final matchup, we've got Carrion going up against Spanking You since 94. Carrion is projected to win 128.44 to 108.3. That'll shorten a little bit because Spanking You since 94 should fill in somebody at tight end. Starting off at the QBs, we've got Jared Goff going up against Cincinnati for Carrion and Aaron Rodgers going up against Kansas City for Spanking You since 94. I love Aaron Rodgers in this matchup. I think he puts up over 30 points again. And Jared Goff, you know, ideally should have a good game, but he's going up against Cincinnati, who you can run the ball on over and over and over again. I'm not sure if they're going to need him to throw the ball, and that's where I would be worried if I was carry-on. At wide receiver, we've got Tyler Lockett and Tyler Boyd for carry-on, going up against Larry Fitzgerald and Kenny Stills. The Kenny Stills pickup, I love that. I think that... Kenny Stills has a big game. Larry Fitzgerald, I'm a little iffy on. But if Christian Kirk comes back, I do feel a bit better about Larry Fitzgerald. Where I'm worried in this matchup is Tyler Boyd, especially with Los Angeles Rams having Ramsey now. I think he struggles mightily. I think Tyler Lockett has a fine game. I just don't know if it's going to be enough to cover up the kind of mishap you're going to have with Tyler Boyd. So I'm going to take Spanking You since 94's wide receivers, even though they're projected to score six points less than carry-ons in this one. At running backs, we've got Chris Carson and Chase Edmonds for carry-on. If, if David Johnson is out, which it's looking like he might be, I think Chase Edmonds is a great pick. Even though he's going up against New Orleans, who has a tough run defense, I still think that he has a good game because he's involved in the running game and the passing game. On the other side of the ball, though, we've got Philip Lindsay and Saquon Barkley. Saquon Barkley, I think, is hungry after that first game, not really getting much done. I think he has a huge game. But Philip Lindsay, I'm not a big believer in, and he's going up against Indianapolis, who has a pretty good run defense. So I'm going to take carry on side of the ball, mainly on the basis that David Johnson isn't playing. Tight end position, we have George Kittle going up against Delaney Walker. Delaney Walker is out, so you're going to have to find a new tight end. By default, George Kittle takes that one. I'm not sure if Kittle's going to have a huge game against Carolina, though. I expect around 10 points. Carolina's defense is no joke. At the flex play, we've got James Conner going up against Miami for carry-on, and then Carlos Hyde going up against Oakland for Spanking Houston 94. I just want to mention Carlos Hyde's projection is 15.47. That seems a little high. He put up 24 points against Kansas City, 17 points up against Atlanta. So he does do good against bad defenses. I'm not sure if he's going to hit 15.47, though. James Conner's projected for 19 against Miami. I'm definitely taking Conner. I'm just interested to see if Carlos Hyde makes that point projection. I'm going to go ahead and say no. Conner, on the other hand, I think is going to have a monster game against Miami. Should be able to feast pretty much all night and should have at least one touchdown. I'm going to go ahead and say two. Going into kickers, we've got Robbie Gould, Spooky Gould, going up against Matt Prater. I'm going to take Prater. He's got a matchup against the Giants. going to be plenty of opportunities for field goals, plenty of opportunities for extra points. And for some reason, Detroit kicks a lot of field goals. So, taking them. At defense, we've got Seattle going up against Atlanta and Los Angeles Chargers going up against Chicago. The Chargers pick is really good going up against Chicago. Trubisky has looked awful. 
Seattle against Atlanta, they're going to have a backup quarterback. I'm going to take the Chargers on the basis that I think that the Chargers-Chicago game is going to be low, more low-scoring, lesser-scoring, lower-scoring than the Seattle-Atlanta game. Going into benches, I see a lot of the right calls being made. Michael, you have Landry on your bench. I think that's the right move. He's got a really tough matchup going against New England. And then for carry-on, you're benching Devontae Freeman, which I think is the right move as long as Chase Edmonds is going to be the number one in Arizona. If he's not, Freeman should have a decent game against Seattle. Normally, I'm not on a Freeman train, but he should have a decent game against Seattle. They're on their backup cornerback. They should run the ball more, you know, but usually when you think Freeman's going to have a big game is the game that he doesn't. So we'll go ahead and see what happens there. The pick in this one, I'm going to take carry on. Spanking you since 94 is having a rough go. And Nick has some favorable matchups and has been rolling as of late. So I'm taking carry on. That covers it for the weekly previews. We've got one more segment, and then I'll go ahead and mention some of the rule changes that we've been floating around just to kind of see the initial reaction. But for right now, the boomer of the week, I'm taking Juju Smith-Schuster. He's going up against Miami. He hasn't put up over 20 points all season. I think he puts up 25. I think he's finally going to have a good game for me. I got to give him a pass because of the because of the QB struggles that they've been having, but I think Mason Rudolph against Miami is finally going to come to and really shine and have a, have a really good game. So that's what I'm taking for my Boomer of the Week, Juju Smith-Schuster. We'll go ahead and see how that pans out. Into the rule change proposals, I want you guys to just kind of think about these. I'm going to list them in order of most likely to least likely. The first one is what's called Fab Dollars. This would change the way our waiver system works. Basically, it's called free agency allowance. Uh, you get a certain amount for the entire year, say it's $100, and each week you can bid on a player on the waiver wire, however much, depending on how much you like them. The best part about this is if you're in first place and you have a big injury to one of your positions, you are not at the mercy of the waiver wire, and you can bid a high amount, a high percentage of your fab dollars um, in order to secure a replacement. So it's a, it moves away from the you know reverse order standings of the waiver wire, makes it a little bit more strategic, and allows you the opportunity to replace people on your team a lot easier when somebody gets injured. And if you really like a guy, you, know, you can bid like 90% of your waiver wire and just have very little money to add people later on. The main thing I want you guys to keep in mind with this is you can still acquire players for very little you know you can put in bids of zero dollars and still get a guy once the waivers run and you don't have to bid on players right away so it's not like you if you run out of money you can't add players it's just gonna make it a little bit more fair for everybody to be able to get a player that they really want or really need so that one will probably that one is most likely going to happen fab dollars going into next season the next thing I want to bring up is keepers. If you're not aware what keepers are, um, after the season you can choose a player or two. I haven't decided on the number, but it's probably going to be one or two, uh, one or two players to keep going into the next season. I want to mention it's not free. So, for instance, I couldn't just keep Kamara because I have him this year. You would likely have to give up draft compensation. And what I'm thinking right now is a situation where you give up two draft picks depending on where the player is expected to go in the draft, their average draft position at the time of next year's draft. 
The best way to explain this is to give an example. So for example, someone I'm interested in keeping is Juju Smith-Schuster. His draft position next year it will probably probably be in the second round. If I wanted to keep Juju Smith-Schuster, I would have to give up a second round pick. And then the second draft pick I give up depends on if he's projected to go in the first half of round two or the second half of round two. If it's the sixth pick of round two or higher, so picks one through six of round two, I would give up my third round pick as well. If it's picks seven to 12 of round two, I would have to give up my fourth round pick. So, you know, you can do that with other players. Alvin Kamara, for instance, he's a top four pick in the draft. If I wanted to keep Alvin Kamara, I would have to give up my first round pick and my second round pick. Another person of interest might be Le'Veon Bell. If I wanted to keep Le'Veon Bell, I would give up my first round pick because he's projected to be a first round pick, but he's near the end of the first round. So it would be my first round pick and my third round pick. So kind of keep that in mind. Let me know what you think about keepers. I'm really interested in keepers. Um, But this is your league too, and we're going to have to vote on these changes. The vote for keepers, though, is probably going to happen within the next couple weeks because it's something you have to think about in, in regards to who you're dropping and stuff like that. If you're interested in the amount of people that need to approve a rule change, it's going to be eight of the 12 league managers. Um, that's a pretty good split right there. So think about keepers, what you think about it, and you know, please vote when I ask the question on the league message board. The final rule change I want to bring up is one that's less likely um, and wouldn't go into effect until next season. You don't have to worry about it. But it's IDPs. If you don't know what IDPs are, they're individual defensive players. The main reason I'm bringing this one up is because New England's defense has been insane this year, and that's why I'm starting to think about IDPs. And I was interested in it to begin with. But instead of drafting a defense or special teams, you would draft two defensive backs, so either corners or safeties, two linebackers, and then one defensive lineman. So you'd have to be a little bit more educated on the defensive side of the ball. What this would do is it would, one, eliminate opportunities for a single defense to win games. Um, I know that can be a good thing or a bad thing, depending on how you're looking at it. And then two, it allows for a bit more consistency at those positions. So a defense, you know, can't post zero points one week and then 20 points the next. And it's less about matchups and more about the players. I just talked to one person about this and they said they enjoy watching a defense and rooting for a shutout. But at the same time, they said it would allow them to become more educated about the defensive side of the ball. So again, those were in order of most likely to least likely. Fab is almost guaranteed to happen. I'm hoping you guys think it's a good idea. It should pass a poll. But then again, I might just implement it because I think it's for the betterment of the league. And one of the changes that we've already made this year was, of course, the point per first down um, change. I've heard lots of good feedback about this change. I'm certainly enjoying it. I enjoy watching my wide receiver or running back get a first down, catch or run. Makes the game a lot more exciting. If there's any rules that you guys are interested in, go ahead and shoot them my way. I obviously don't, I haven't looked over all the rules. And if I think of anything else, I'll be sure to mention them on the next podcast. But that's going to be it. Thanks for listening, guys. Again, if you're not part of the Super Fantasy League, go ahead and send over your Week 9 matchups. We should have Clinton back next week, so that should be a good one. Good luck on Sunday, guys. And thanks for listening.